Well, it's great to welcome Jamel Hill back to MSU today. Jamel is an MSU alumna and award-winning journalist who's out with her memoir titled Uphill. It's published by Henry Holt and Company. And in the memoir, Jamel shares the whole story of her work, the women of her family, and her complicated relationship with God in an unapologetically provocative, character-rich, and eloquent memoir. Jamel, welcome back to MSU today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Good to be with you again. So why write the book? What inspired you to write the book and why now? Well, you know, this has actually been kind of like a three-year process. Um, You know, I first uh, landed a book deal. It was was 2019. And obviously the world looked a lot different then. And it just, um, you know, kind of all the forces were telling me it was an appropriate time to tell uh, this story. Um, it wasn't the book I envisioned being my first book. Like I never had a desire to really write about myself, but nevertheless, um, considering there was a lot of interest in the publishing world, I, you know, decided that this was a, a really got good opportunity for me to to seize. And so, I started this process back in 2019, and uh, because of when of the pandemic, it kept the book release date kept getting pushed back, understandably so, because they wanted me to be able to go out on tour and interact with people and really converse with people about what this book was about. And so um, it was, you know, even though this wasn't the original timing, the timing became perfect. Gotcha. And I, I noted in the introduction where you're, you were taken aback a bit when your mom said you were angry. And so what are you angry? What were you angry at? I wasn't angry. (laughs) That was the, (laughs) That was kind of the source of our debate is that she felt like I still was carrying some residual anger left over from uh, some of the childhood trauma I experienced. I did not believe that to be the case. And but nevertheless, at, at the very least, I wanted to find out if it were true. And so that is what kind of prompted me to go to, to therapy is she made that observation I didn't agree. And then I decided to see, well, who's right. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, it it was an interesting way to kind of start a therapy journey, but I'm happy I did it. And I, I was right, by the way, that it wasn't about residual anger. It was about, um, you know, the fact that uh, my mother struggled to really understand some of the boundaries I kind of was trying to create, you know, parents don't do well with boundaries sometimes. And so, um, that was some of the pushback that I was receiving. And even though you're saying it isn't anger, are you, are you happier now? Have you seen progress? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't unhappy when I started my, my therapy journey because I don't think you need to be unhappy to start to go to therapy. Sometimes yes, right. it's just about a, yeah, sometimes it's just about a good maintenance check or it's about um, maybe you becoming even happier uh, or dealing with, issues that you might have suppressed or just kind of put in a box and stowed away and don't want to deal with anymore. And it's for greater understanding of you. And so for me, that's what I got out of it is a better, deeper understanding of who I am. And, you know, Jamel will encourage people to, to read uphill, of course, but what do you hope people take away from the book? Are there some key takeaways or that you're, that's just totally up to the reader? Well, no, I mean, I, yeah, it, it obviously is always up to the reader, but I would say beyond what they may 
um, reveal for themselves or they may, you know, what may resonate with them. What I would say is that I think, um, you know, people should understand that you don't have to feel ashamed about sometimes some very serious, complicated topics is that, you know, everybody goes through something. All of us are dealing with, you know, some level of trauma on, you know, on, whether it be from childhood, present day, you know, somewhere in the past. And I think what happens is that a lot of times we feel ashamed about those things or feel as if we're the only ones who go through them. And so I hope when people read this, they'll see that there's a, a, a very much a commonality to all these issues that I discuss in my book that should help them as they try to figure out how they want to deal with them. And it's called Uphill, a memoir by our guest, Jamel Hill. And Jamel, would you take me back and, and tell me why you chose MSU for college and, and how your MSU experience impacted you and maybe still does? Well, I chose I chose to go to Michigan State because of its stellar journalism program. Right. And it was it, at the time when I was in high school and, and about the age where you're making this decision about where you want to go to college. Um, I was working uh, as a, I was working in the free press sports support sports department answering phones. And a lot of people who work at the free press went to Michigan State and they were quite adamant about where they thought I should go to school and just constantly kind of putting a word in. And um, it made me very curious about the school. And a, a Michigan State recruiter came to my high school, came to Mufford High School. And I went on a uh, a one day trip to Michigan State and, and went around the campus, which, you know, anybody who sets foot on our campus, I mean, it, it, I, I put our campus against any campus in the country. Like it's one of the most beautiful college campuses in America. And the campus was was gorgeous. And it just felt, I just felt kind of an instant connection um, between the campus and knowing that I wanted to to be a journalist. And I started to kind of imagine what my life would look like and I applied, I got accepted. And yeah, it kind of went on from there. And, uh, you know, between the, the stellar journalism program and also the fact that Michigan State, I mean, they they were fresh off a, an award for being the top college daily newspaper in, in, in America. And so I wanted to work at the state news as well. So those are two very seductive factors for me. Um, but, you know, going to Michigan State, like really changed my life. I mean, it was not only the place where I, I really started to um, make inroads as a professional in terms of understanding how to develop in, in my career, but I met some of my best friends there, um, really kind of figured out what it was like to be an adult there. You know, you're away at, uh, on college and you have to take care of yourself, take initiative and really be a self-starter in order for not just college to work, but for life to work. And so uh, it's why I say in my social media bio that um, I was, you know, uh, born and raised in Detroit, but grew up at Michigan State, because that's very much what the process of going there was for me. Yeah, cool. And uh, Jamel, I know we could have an entire conference on this, but what's sort of the state of journalism now in your view and, and, and the challenges and, and opportunities ahead for it? Well, uh, I think... Um, you know, this is a very challenging time for journalism. Uh, you know, we're in such a different age now. I mean, on one hand, you have the upside of having technology and journalists being able to go kind of direct to consumer in the sense that a lot of journalists have their own social media platforms. So be it through a story or um, 
you know, through broadcasting that they're able to directly go to people and say, hey, take a look at, at, at my work, in addition to whatever outlet that they may also be working for. And so, the, and then the, the number of platforms is just, you know, really expansive and the different types. So you have digital storytelling and podcasting and all these different mediums that are allowing journalists to really um, share w- their work with people. On the other hand, there is been some things that have been normalized in our profession that I think are really uh, undoing the credibility of the of journalism itself. I mean, the whole point of journalism is truth. And so what I see a lot these days is not just the inaccuracy or the bad framing, uh, but also an inability to tell the truth by hiding behind objectivity. I know that objectivity, that sounds like that should be a great thing in journalism. And certainly in journalism school and my young years in the, as a professional, that's what you heard about is being objective. Our goal actually shouldn't be to be objective. Our goal it should be to be fair, which is different. And because sometimes we have to be able to call people out and hold them accountable. It's the whole point of why the phrase that journalists are the watchdogs of society was used. That means the ability to call a thing a thing. And so I see a lot of hand-wringing behind holding certain institutions and people in power accountable. And, you know, the the essential core of democracy can only work if it's a free press. A free and fair press is what I would add to it. And so uh, I I think as journalists, we have to return to the truth. The fact that there are outlets that traffic in conspiracy theories and other things, and that's passing off as news, is very disappointing. And all it does is encourage people to not necessarily seek truth, but to seek the truth they want to believe, as opposed to what's actually true. Here, here, Jamel. And uh, so when you come back to campus, based on that, what do you tell the, the students studying journalism now when you talk to them? Well, mostly my main message to them is that they should focus on the craft. I mean, even though the mechanisms for how we do our jobs will always change, you know, it, it stone tablet one day, podcasting the next. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. But what doesn't change is um, the core tenets of your job, which is gathering information, um, you know, uh, sourcing, reporting, um, developing you know, um, an interview style. Like these are just kind of basics. And even though it sounds very simple, um, you know, being fair, as I talked about, being accurate, these sound like very basic things, but I promise that if you really hone the basics, you will develop as a writer or as, you know, a broadcaster, whatever is, is the medium that you want to, that you want to follow. But you have to be set on the basics first. And when you learn to develop in your craft and really uh, pay attention to the nuances of the craft and everything and just keep growing and developing all those things that you want for yourself, be it working at a big platform or, um, you know, telling stories a certain kind of way, all those things I think will naturally and organically happen for you if you focus on the craft. So what topics currently motivate you to write, like, say, for The Atlantic, or are you just constantly writing columns in your head? (laughs) Well, the beauty about what I do for The Atlantic is that uh, I specifically write about the intersection between sports, race, gender, politics, and culture. 
And that's, to me, a very dynamic space to be in because of where we are in sports right now, because you have athletes who are speaking out in both good and bad ways about some of the things happening in our society. You have, um, you know, institutions that uh, require accountability. And we're constantly seeing how sports uh, collides with the world. And when I say it that way, what I mean is that I think people have tried to convince themselves that sports and politics shouldn't mix or sports and, you know, talking about race or gender, those things shouldn't mix when they always have mixed. And uh, especially now. And uh, I think those, that's an important, those are important dynamics to um, really write about. And so I, I love that I'm able to write about sports from this perspective. And are there some things that you currently like going on in the, in the world of sports and maybe some things that concern you? Well, um, you know, I, I think what I do like is the fact that you do have a lot of, um, you know, athletes who are uh, becoming just more conscious, I think, of their responsibility and role outside of being an athlete. Um, I love the fact that there's a, such a different conversation about mental health going on in sports than there ever has been. You know, when I was coming up as a writer and even through, I say, a good bit of my career, that was not a conversation being had. And I think probably as, as sports writers and in sports media, we were falling on very lazy tropes to sometimes explain um, l- lack of performance or lackluster performances. And as it turns out, and, you know, we should have known this just because the human condition, you know, kind of dictates this, is that, you know, these young athletes in particular are dealing with a lot. There's a lot of things that, a lot of pressures that they face. Uh, because there's so much more money in sports than in some cases than there ever was intended to be. And they've, they've had to deal with this. And so, um, so I'm encouraged by the fact that they are openly talking about these issues and giving athletes a sense of, of their agency. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, and obviously, I mean, from a competitive level, I mean, I think there's a lot of sports where we're seeing the, the best um, that we've ever seen. You know, I think about, you know, as we're recording this, there was a fantastic game yesterday between Stanford and South Carolina in women's basketball. And, you know, I think about when I was covering women's basketball in 1997, where it was then, which was, it was a pretty good product. But now it is just a phenomenal product. And the same applies, I think, even at the professional level with the WNBA. So there is, uh, I think you see a, a pockets, I mean, not pockets, but I still think you see a wide um, amount of creativity. I mean, these are the best conditioned athletes that there ever have been in any of the sports. And so you're seeing still people do very extraordinary things. And uh, I think that will always be, you know, the allure of sports. Jamel, what about specifically college athletics where we, we've got things like name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, the ubiquitousness of the the phone gambling, even really a lot of huge media rights, just your assessment of the, the challenges and opportunities specifically for college athletics. Well, I, I mean, I know, especially to college uh, sports fan traditionalists, this is, this probably feels like a complicated and maybe somewhat scary time because people are accustomed to college sports having operated a certain way, but you know, this is where the money component comes in is that, you know, people have to remember that originally when they conceived this idea of the NCAA and, and college sports, like 
it was supposed to be an extracurricular activity. It was not designed with the idea of becoming a billion dollar industry, which is what it's become in college football and college basketball. And because of that, as and to me for and maybe because obviously I've been a sports journalist for as long as I have it does not take away from my affection for college sports knowing that there's so much money in it knowing that athletes are able to make money off their name image and likeness I think it's fair and that's what people have to look at is that this is about fairness and you don't want to continue to create systems of exploitation just because they make you feel better about what you're watching um and so I think we're going to see more athletes take agency. Um, what I do love is that college athletes are really speaking up for themselves. Um, they're organizing in many cases just to uh, kind of because they're starting to understand their worth and their value. And this should not be a scary thing because at the end of the day, it's not fair if everyone else gets to take a cut but them. I mean, it's just not. And uh you know, in this society, which is very much a capitalist society, there's no reason why you can't be a music student. You could be a music student and and write a Grammy Award winning song and get paid millions of dollars to do it in college. But if you're an athlete, you can't, <laughs> you know, you can't make money off the thing that, you know, you're, you're proficient at. Uh, so I, I do think that as much pushback sometimes as there has been, this is the only direction Fairness and equity is the only direction college sports can go. Otherwise, it's going to sink itself. And so um, while some may think of this as a scary time, I think of it as as kind of an exciting time for college sports because it's an opportunity for them to reimagine itself. And Jamel, do you still get enough of an opportunity to follow your Spartans? And what's just your sort of assessment of Spartan athletics right now? Of course I do. Uh, you know, sometimes it's the bane of my existence, but I think every Michigan State fan goes through that. You know, I, I think with football, it's it's a few growing pains that are happening right now. I think these are the growing pains that people probably expected to really happen last year, the year before. They're just happening now. But, you know, I'm encouraged about the future. I think it, it, it still looks pretty good. And as always, Michigan State, you know, much like so many football seasons in the past, they always find a way to make it interesting. So um, so from that standpoint, yeah. But, uh, you know, basketball, this is such a classic Tom Izzo team, um, a team that wasn't on the radar in, in the preseason that, of course, you know, we got some youth there and some, some good experience, but expectations weren't that high. He comes out with a very dynamic schedule. Well, you see very early that, um, you know, this group is is definitely going to overachieve, I believe. And so, you know, this is the type of team that he really likes and that he really is able to um, really bring the best out of. So I'm, I'm very excited about where this basketball season can go. So, Jamel, what's what's next? What's on the horizon? You want to tease us with some projects you're working on? Well, um, you know, obviously the, the, the book is the thing at the right. moment right now, but coming up after that, I mean, well, I guess I can't say coming up after that because I've been working on it in process, but I'm also, you know, the executive producer on Colin Kaepernick's documentary is 30 for 30 for ESPN, which is directed by Spike Lee. So getting an opportunity to work with Spike has been really, really, um, you know, tremendous. I have still have my own podcast. Jamel Hill is unbothered, but now I've been able to create a podcast network in collaboration with Spotify called the Unbothered Network, and we just launched our first two podcasts 
uh, on that network um, a couple weeks ago. So I'm very excited about that. And then we have some more that'll be coming down the pipe um, in the next couple months. So um, I have a lot of things to keep me busy <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's uh, MSU alumna and award-winning journalist Jamel Hill. She's out with her memoir called Uphill from Henry Holt and Company. And Jamel, as we close, just again, summarize what you hope we take from Uphill. Well, um, I hope you, the people who read it, understand that this is a story of resiliency um, and uh, perseverance. And also, it is a testament to something I believe in, in the sense that your circumstances, no matter how bad, do not have to dictate the life you envision for yourself. Well said. Jamel, thanks for joining me again on MSU Today. Appreciate it. Thanks for the conversation. That's Jamel Hill. I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.